Uh, it, we had a late night last night up waiting for the concession speech and the victory speech and uh, went to bed very late and I'd spent the whole day on, almost the whole day on the booths handing out. So uh, if I go to sleep during the sermon today, you'll understand why. <laughs> now I want to speak about uh, one thing which is our theme. Can you grab a Bible or open your own Bible? And I want to speak from Philippians chapter 3. So I want you to find it and be ready there. And the key verse will be verse 13. But we're going to speak around that as well. Philippians 3, 13. So I'm going to read it and then introduce it a little bit. Philippians 3.13. So this is written by the Apostle Paul. And we'll, I'll expand on it, but this is the key verse. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And the key thought that I want to uh, focus on today is forgetting those things which are behind. That's what I want to talk around. So as an introduction, I want to say that uh, history uh, can sometimes turn on just one event. Uh, it's remarkable. There would be hundreds, there would be thousands, literally thousands of illustrations and moments when history just turned on one event, both in our world and also in a person's life, in your life and in my life, how the uh, momentous decision you made or the decision that you didn't make affected uh, just the outcome, the, the, the ongoing outcome of your life. Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, sometimes decisions made deliberately and sometimes accidental things that happen uh, in, in world and in personal history. I want to give you a couple of illustrations. In 1928, a Scottish researcher, Alexander Fleming... Uh, was researching bacteria. He took a two-week holiday. Uh, I'll put it up, not quite yet, not quite yet. Um, he took a two-week holiday and it was said of Fleming that he was a little bit messy. He you know, didn't dot every I and cross every T. And while he was away, there was a Petri dish. You want to put it up for me, guys? That's not the one, but that's what a Petri dish is. And he had cultivated some bacteria and he was trying to work out how he's going to beat this bacteria. Anyway, he went off on a holiday and left this Petri dish uncovered. And during that time, some penicillium got on to, onto that dish, onto that Petri dish of his. It settled on the bacteria and it it did what penicillin does, which is destroy bacteria. So he goes away, comes back, 
looks at the petri dish and says oh i didn't cover that one and he looks a little bit closer and he finds that this stuff has killed the bacteria that was in the dish he thought to himself gee that's interesting so he researched with more bacteria and more penicillium and he found that uh, penicillin was uh, effective against many types of bacteria and you know hundreds and i mean hundreds of millions of lives have been saved because of penicillin because of the discovery of penicillin hundreds of millions you could go to the dentist for dental work and bacteria would get there previous to to this and the bacteria could kill you but fleming's discovery uh, built on later by uh, flory uh, but that discovery saved hundreds of millions of lives then and and through to now in world war 1 18% of soldiers died from not from being shot but wounds and the bacteria in the wounds in in world war 1 and in world war 2 1% died from from wounds and not being shot because of the invention of penicillin so that one invention has saved hundreds of millions of lives and i reckon every one of us here has had penicillin go to the dentist and go to the doctor you get penicillin let me give you another far more smaller illustration the deputy prime minister of australia at the time of uh mr john howard when uh, mr howard was the prime minister and his man called john anderson a, a fine fine christian uh who is agitating uh in in a good christian way uh for revival in our nation when he was 14 years old john anderson was playing cricket in the backyard with his dad and his sister he had a younger sister and she was sitting over there playing with the dog or something like that and john anderson was playing cricket with his dad his dad bowled the ball at him and john anderson took a whack with the cricket bat and it happened to go in the direction of his sister his sister looked up saw the ball coming and ducked her head and the ball hit her on the back of the neck and she died he was 14 so how old was she 8 9 10 and he would have had to go through his whole life carrying that burden that he killed his sister accidentally but nevertheless dead i want to i do want to tell you a story some of you heard this before but it bears telling this is at a, about our family because there was an election yesterday my dad came to australia to check out the nation check out the country spy out the land in 1949 and in december of 49 there was a federal election and ben chifley labor had been the prime minister up until that election and bob menzies uh, for the liberal and country league later to become the liberals was 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 voted in as prime minister and that happened while my dad was here now some of you don't know that we come from lebanon and in lebanon when there were elections and someone lost and someone won there was death and destruction and knives and guns and my dad was astounded that 
uh, when power changed from Labor to Liberal, without, it was done without a shot being fired. And that absolutely astounded my dad. He thought, this is a great country. <laughs> now, there is another story. I'm not going to tell you that second story because two things happened. But I don't want to let the facts get in the way of a good sermon. You know? <laughs> another thing happened and made my dad think, what a great country this is. And he stayed on. He was able to do that. And he wrote back to my mum. Uh, and I was just a little guy. And he wrote back to mum and said, pack your bags. I'm going to save up for some tickets to bring you out here. And that, that, that election and the other thing that happened, which I'm not going to tell you about, um, was, was a significant thing in our lives, brought us to Australia. So you know with me that history can turn on one event. And I want to talk about us today. I'm, I'm not so much thinking about the big history, but I'm talking about you and your life and things that happened in my life and in your life. So let's get back to this little passage, uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. Um, he's writing about his credentials. He, he was a rager. He was a very religious man, but in, in the wrong direction. And Jesus met him. He was going to Damascus to persecute people. He'd already been persecuting people. When the first martyr of the church, a man called Stephen, died, he was stoned to death. Paul was there watching. It said he must have been a bit of a younger guy. And the guys who were throwing the stones took their clothes, took their cloaks off and said, Paul, look after our clothes. And he stood there and he watched Stephen uh, being uh, stoned to death. And then when these Christians began to rise and go and become really popular, he went from house to house, uh, pulling people by the throat, getting them out and beating them up. And as I said, was on his way to Damascus to do exactly the same thing when uh, Jesus met him, knocked him off his horse and said, listen to me, I want to talk to you. And, uh, and Paul listened. And out of that came this incredible conversion. Uh, about, I don't know exactly, but about half of the New Testament was written by Paul. About half. And half the sermons in the world today, on Sunday, preached, will be from the writings of the Apostle Paul. So this man had incredible revelation. He had, a, if I said, a terrible past, and he had a, a, a wonderful conversion and a great future, and we're talking about him 2,000 years later. So listen to the credentials that Paul had. And then he said, but I'm going to turn my back on all of them. So he said this from verse, verse 4. If you've got it there, Philippians 3 and verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh... That means in his, in his life as it was. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And here's the credentials. I was circumcised the eighth day. That makes him a good Jew. I was of the stock of Israel. That makes him a good Jew. Of the tribe of Benjamin. This is a great pedigree. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. 
Concerning the law, I was in the sect called the Pharisees. And they were very strict law keepers. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, and, and, and in his time, those things were the gain things. You know, you'd put it up on you. If you went to the doctor's surgery, he'd put it up there on the wall. He said, these are my credentials. Paul said, those things that were gained to me, I've counted loss for Christ. He said, actually, they were a hindrance. Now, we've got we to think our way through that. Those things that people swell their chests about and say, this is me, Paul said, they were actually a hindrance to me. Because what happened is they got in the road of him seeing Christ. But indeed, we're reading verse 8 now, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He said all of those things that people grab hold of and hold on to and say, this is what makes me great, this is what makes me famous, Paul said, no, it's just rubbish. He said, the most important thing is to gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. This is what I really want, he says. Forget those things up on the wall. I want to know him the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So he said, I'm deliberately turning my back on those things which were my claim to fame. And he said, I'm pressing forward to know Jesus more. Verse 12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Here's the key verse. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't got there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So... Paul had a history, a good history and also a bad history. I wonder in a quiet moment of reflection, I'm talking about you and me now, in a quiet moment of reflection, when you're sitting there with maybe no one else, maybe in bed, maybe just going for a walk or something, you think to yourself, I know God loves me, but I've done things. I've done things. Paul, Paul would have sat there and thought, I was there at the execution of Stephen. I was barracking them on. Go for it, boys, go for it. Paul thought to himself, I ransacked people's houses. How did he handle those thoughts? 
And more importantly, how do we handle those thoughts? Because I, have, I wasn't there at the killing of Stephen, but I've done things and I've said things, certainly before I was a Christian, but <laughs> most certainly after I was a Christian too. Things that I have uh, said and done. I look back over 50 years of ministry and leadership uh, and look back at things, some of the things that I said. I've, I've blessed a lot of people, but I've also I reckon I've hurt a lot of people too. Things that I've said and things that I've done that I'd do differently if I had a chance again, but you don't have a chance again. Some of the things were very minor, nothing. You know, no one would think anything of it. Some things I think are a little bit more serious. But let me say something too. Before you all get self-righteous about, about me, <laughs> you've done and said things and, uh, that you would regret. And how do we handle that? How do we handle the, the stoning of Stephen? How did Paul handle that? How did he handle the ransacking of houses? Many, many people have things that haunt them from their past. And they affect them daily. Things that they said, things that they did, things that they didn't say, things that they didn't do. Lies that every one of us has told, some with minimal effect, some with major effect. Uh, deceptions that we have made, every one of us. Things that we've stolen. Us? Steal? Never. You bet. We steal. We have. And so much more. There are people I know and people you know who've been involved in terrible divorces. I think every divorce, there's no fun in any divorce. Uh, bad divorces. People have been raped. Ladies here. La I don't know about here, but ladies have been raped. People have been involved in abortions. Adulteries. Cheatings. Outbursts of anger. We all fit in there somewhere, beloved. How do we deal with that? How did Paul deal with that? Are we condemned to carry these things forever? The answer is no, we're not. And I'm coming to that in a second. I've got some images up here of how some people go through life. Now, I've got a zapper here. I'm going to try and see if it works. Hey, there it is. So, how'd you like to... How would you like that to be your day's work? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Where he comes from, they also work Saturdays and they maybe get Sundays off. How would you like to do that all day, every day? And yet some people go through their life carrying burdens like that. Emotional burdens. Try climbing up a hill with a knapsack like that, eh? Goodness me, just climbing up in a pair of shorts would be, you know. And he's going up the hill. And yet that's how some people live their lives emotionally. And that's why Jesus came, to break that. There you go. If it's not on your back, you can carry it in front of you, you know. And look how slim she is. Yeah, some people are just bowed down by events of the past. 
And remember what we're on about is Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I'm pressing forward to know Christ and to be in Christ. I might have one or two more. Yeah, there it is. That's how some people live their lives. And I say very gently and very delicately, there may be people here who are living their lives a little bit like that because of things in the past. It could be one more. Yep, same thing. The stress of things past. I think that's all. I've got one more after this. Um, Are we condemned to carry these things forever? I say with confidence that every one of us fights thoughts like that. Every one of us. You're no different from me. The trouble with us, most of us are like the rest of us, you see, and we fight with these things, some more successfully than others. So the good news for you today, we sang about it this morning, is that Jesus breaks the power of sin in our life. And I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about things that we did wrong, things that we said wrong. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus totally, totally breaks the power of sin in our life. And that's good news if you're carrying these burdens. You don't have to. That Jesus can deal with them. He breaks the power of the past. Every one of us has got a past. Some more righteous than others, but every one of us has got a past there. Before I tell you how, and I'll get there in a second, just think of some of God's greatest heroes uh, that we read about in the Bible. King David was an adulterer and a murderer, and yet... He wrote some of those most glorious psalms and it was said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. So God can take an adulterer and a murderer and turn him into the glorious king of Israel who extended the kingdom and expanded the kingdom and set it up for his son Solomon. Let me tell you about Moses, who many of you would know. Moses led the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He was a killer too. And yet God was able to use him and forgive him and take him on. The Apostle Peter was a denier. You know, Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And he said, never, I'll never deny you. Never, never, never. Well, before the morning came, three times he denied Jesus. And yet Jesus was able to transform him into a hero of that young church. And of course, uh, the Apostle Paul, who we, we've spoken on. But there would be lots and lots and lots of others that God was able to wash them clean and take them on and use them. So the key thought here from Paul is verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And that's really what I want to encourage you to do this morning. We've all got something back there. And don't let it... You know, don't let, don't let it be like that. Let's go back to that one with the ball and chain. There it is. Don't let it be like that to you as you progress in your life. So to grab hold of what I'm saying this morning, I want to I I talk about some scriptures. There's a doctrinal truth 
And there's also an experiential truth. So we can read the doctrine here, or in these pages, we can read that and say, yes, 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 you're good, that's lovely. But the real key is to get it into here and then get it up to here. And, and then we can live it, you see. It, if it just says it there and I don't apply it here and here, what, what good is it? That's how I go through life. So I want, I want to just share just four scriptures with you and, 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 and I want you to grab hold of these. There's lots of them. There's lots of scriptures, but just want to share four. The first one is Galatians 2.20. Uh, let's, if you've got your Bibles there, turn to Galatians 2.20. Uh, the, the church addressed this around Easter time. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Just try and get the import of this. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to read that first part again. I have been crucified with Christ. So the old Alf, the old Daniel, the old Paul, the old Michelle was crucified with Christ. So as they put him on that cross and nailed him and he became stone dead in a similar way, I was put on that cross and I was nailed to it and I became stone dead and so did you. And so that old man, that old nature, those old sins, those old thoughts, those old acts died at the cross. They died at the cross. You'd love to believe that, but you find it hard to believe. But they died at the cross. And just as Jesus was raised later, three days later, a new body, so can we be raised, not with a new body, that'll come later, but in, in our mind and in our emotions, that old sinner died. He died, she died. So all of the things that that old sinner did died at the cross. Died at the cross. So the stuff that makes people ashamed, that makes Christians maybe, maybe be ashamed, those things were put to death at the cross. And I don't have to drag them around anymore. The silly things that I said, the silly things that I did, I don't have to drag them around anymore. The chains are gone. All right, next, you know, so much more could be said, but we won't say it. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Back just a couple of pages. Paul writing, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He 
He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. So those old sins and those old thoughts and those old crimes, those old actions have, been passed, have passed away. And, and we become a new person. And there's a little bit, of, um, little bit of technical Greek here. When it talks about he's a new creation, the, the word means fresh, a new species which has never existed before. So it's a whole new birth. That old person died in the eyes of God. That old person died and a whole new person has come forth. Now, God believes that. Jesus believes that. The problem is we've got to believe that, that the old person has died. Yes, sinful. Yes, shameful. Yes, angry. Yes, liar. liar. Yes, lustful. But in the economy of God, those things have passed away. That old man died. He was put on a cross. And he doesn't hang around my neck anymore or your neck. A fresh new species. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I really want us to grab hold of that. You're sitting there saying, it would be lovely if it could happen. Well, it can happen. Some of those shameful things that every one of us has done by faith in Jesus, by the work of the cross, by the power of the blood of Jesus, they're wiped away. And I don't have to drag them around anymore and neither do you. Third scripture I want to talk about. Psalm 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west... Don't turn to this one. Uh, as far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our sins from us. 103, where are you? Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 103 and verse 12. So that's what God's word says, and I would be well advised to believe it. As far as the east... Where's the east? There, I think. Is from the west. You can't get any further than further, you know. That's how far Jesus has removed my sin from me and your sin from you. So you don't have to drag it around like that when you go to work and when you go to school and when you go to your family events. Maybe especially those family events, eh? Where you've got brothers and sisters who are quick to remind you. <laughs> As far as the east is from the west, he's removed them. Last scripture. There's more. There's lots more. Uh, and we sang it this morning again. Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Um, the Lord says, come on now, let us sit down and reason together. Let's have a bit of a discussion here. Verse 18. Where are we? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. That's a great promise. It doesn't deny the sins, but it says they've been dealt with. That's the key to the thing. They've been dealt with. 
and God and Jesus remember them no more. They don't hold them against you. And neither should you hold it against yourself so, so that you can get rid of that ball. So there's lots of other scriptures along that line that talk about the new creation that we are. But I've got to say there are some terms and conditions uh, to, to this. You know, you see the ad on TV. They'll give you a you know, six-month holiday in, in Europe, first class, all of that. And then at the bottom they say there's terms and conditions. So what I've offered you this morning is a fantastic deal, but there are terms and conditions. And here's the terms and conditions. How do we apply these truths? They're great truths, but how do we apply them into our life? Firstly, genuine repentance. Genuine, deep, heartfelt repentance. You, in a sense, you've got to stand before God and you say, man, God, I am just truly sorry. I am truly sorry. Not just being a smart aleck and say, yeah, I'm sorry. How, we've had our kids, haven't you had, those of you who've had kids, you say, David, say you're sorry to Beck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Beck, say sorry to David. I'm sorry. Nah, we're smarter than that. <laughs> but I wonder how many times they got away with it. Yeah. Uh, genuine repentance, heartfelt repentance. Not, boy, I can't wait to do that again. I got away. I went to church. I had communion. And now let's get out there and do it again. No, 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 no. When you see the horror of it, when you see that it took Jesus to the cross, when you see how it hurts people, when you see the deception and the adulteries and the, you know, just talked to a lady just a few days ago. Um, she's got a son who was married and his wife just cheated on him and cheated on him and cleaned out his bank accounts and just kept on cheating until it was... He was a guy not interested in you know, the finances and she scun him alive and he's a broken guy and she's off with you know, Mr. Good-looking, uh, hurts, sin hurts. And so genuine repentance, I am truly sorry. And none of this blaming others and saying, well, they pushed me into it. No, 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 no. you did it, I did it. Lord, I am truly sorry. So that's the first step. The second, I think, is to believe in the life-changing work of Jesus. See, I don't know how Joe Blow out there deals with that big ball on the back. I don't know how he deals with it. He suppresses it. He denies it. But it manifests itself. It just does. Or he tries to drown it with drink or inject it with drugs, but it manifests itself. And so we ought to believe in the life-changing work of Jesus. I came, he said, to set the captives free to break those chains on people's lives. And he is able, it says in Hebrews, he's able to save to the uttermost those who put their trust in him. Save to the uttermost. Not half saved and not quarter saved and not 80% saved. He's able to save us to the uttermost if we put our trust in the life-changing work of Jesus. I've got another, another little slide to show you. Um, Many of you have heard of the, the pilgrimage called the Camino, the Camino Way. You know, it sort of starts in France and it winds its way 
through to the coast of um, the Atlantic coast in Spain. And my son David did that uh, hike, uh, that pilgrimage, uh, two or three years ago uh, with his wife Sandy. Uh, David loved every step of it and Sandy hated every step of it. <laughs> and he said, I wouldn't mind doing it again. And I, I can only guess what her reaction would be. <laughs> well, mate, you'll do it yourself. <laughs> but um, along that walk, along that walk, uh, along that walk, one of, the, one of the things that they do is that these pilgrims, they carry a rock with them. They carry a rock. And it is... It's, it's a representation of their sin. And at a certain spot, and I'll show you this in a minute, at a certain spot, there's a cross. Big high cross. And when they get to that spot, they take the stone out of their pocket and they throw it onto the pile. And symbolically, they're getting rid of their sin. Now, you know, different people have different understandings and revelations of sin, but it's a symbolic thing that the sins are gone. So let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, there's one that I missed. So that's how some people live their lives. There it is. So this is on that uh, Camino pilgrimage. And see that pile of rocks there from all the, all the um, pilgrims who over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have symbolically gotten rid of their sin at the foot of the cross. You can see that cross right up there. Who could believe how many rocks there are there? They don't carry big boulders, they just carry rocks. But look at the size of the thing. So, so symbolically, they cast it at the foot of the cross and they say, it's done with, I don't have to carry it anymore. And that's what happens with us in our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. So, genuine repentance, believe in the life-changing work of Christ. And this is an important one now. Hold fast to what you confess. Walk in it. Resist the attacks of the enemy to remind you of those things. Yeah, but what about when you said this? What about when you did this? What about when you lied about this? Resist those attacks because by faith they've been dealt with. Those actions have been dealt with uh, at the, by the work of the cross. And it says in Ephesians, we have the shield of faith to resist the fiery darts of the devil. So he comes at us with fiery darts and what we need to do is put up the shield of faith Say, no, it's been dealt with, it's done, and it's finished. So when he comes to you in the dead of night and he says, oh, you said this, you did this, then you stole, you thought, you spoke, you, you know, resist. Just don't go down that road. Confess. No, it's all been dealt with at the cross and by the blood of Jesus. Last point, rectify what you can. Because sometimes you can't rectify things. Sometimes they're just too, too remote, too long past. The people have died. You know, you can't put the stuff back that you stole. Rectify what you can. Sometimes very cleansing to write a letter to someone. 
or uh, ring and make a phone call. We dealt with a lot of people who found that phone call very, very, what's the word, refreshing as they rang and said, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it, I shouldn't have said it. Um, rectify what you can, maybe a visit to someone, a text even, just open the door a little bit for, uh, for uh, reconciliation with people. Pray where you can't, where you can't fix it or it's just too messy to fix. Pray for God to work in that situation. You know, we heard this morning about praying. We can have peace in Burnside when we pray for our leaders. Who would have thought that tallies up? But the scripture says, pray for your leaders, you'll have peace in Burnside. And uh, continually apply the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross. So how much weighs on your mind today? I've finished preaching and I just want to just... Can we all close our eyes? and um, I want you to be honest with yourself. There's no point in being honest with anyone else, really, in this issue. Be honest with yourself. Do you walk around with that ball and chain, dragging that big ball? Do you walk around with that? Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus and have faith that he can save to the uttermost those who put their trust in him. So those things that you've said to your husband, things you've said to your wife, you've said to your mum, your dad, your neighbours, your brothers, your sisters, you don't have to take them to your grave and you don't have to take them to work every day. We can lay them at the foot of the cross. Father, we thank you for this incredible offer made to us that we can start again, fresh, a whole new creation. And we thank you that Jesus did what he did, went through what he went through, so that we can apply his work in our life. Lord, I pray for every one of us here and for myself that we might walk in freedom and liberty, uh, chains broken and burdens lifted because of your wonderful, fantastic, magnificent work in our own lives. Pray that for the lives of the ones that we hold dear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the new life you've given us. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen.